1: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast brought to you by Broadway Sports Media partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver with me as always, Justin Mello. It is Monday, July 11th as we record this podcast and nothing happened last week. So what's up, Justin?
0: (laughs) I mean, we have some things to talk about, though. I believe I have an exciting announcement to make. So so to speak on this episode, we got to, oh, we, yeah. we got we do have some things to talk about.
1: We always will have things to talk about because the football machine never stops. But it was kind of funny cuz we we recorded last week's week of the 4th of July episode a little bit early and towards the end of the episode we made a joke like, "Oh, if anything happens while we're gone, we'll catch up on it next week." And literally oh, yeah. nothing happened. So, for the no, in terms everything. of Titans news, nothing happened. However, we will always talk about the Titans on this podcast because what we do our favorite subject to talk about so we're gonna get in today to talking about what can this Titans team achieve in 2022 if everything goes right and what happens if everything goes wrong and we're mostly gonna focus this on a generally healthy you know people are gonna get injured because it's the NFL and somebody the teams lose players every year but Assuming the team stays generally healthy, maybe even healthier than they did last year because obviously one of the most injured teams in NFL history last year in terms of number of players activated. Um, but we're going to see what can this Titans team do in 2022 if all goes right, the ceiling, and what's the floor for this team if things don't go right? So I think on the in the interest of ending – saving the best for last, we should – save the ceiling talk for the end because I think that's the more hypey positive way to go so let's first talk about things don't go right for this Titans team in 2022 what does that even look like right so I want to start on the offensive side of the ball and I think that one of my biggest concerns as someone who covers this team right now is of course the offensive line we've talked about it nonstop basically since uh, since the season ended and even going back into last season is what are they going to do at left guard what are they going to do at right tackle we're not going to cover that as much today because we talked about it basically every podcast we've done since the draft but what happens if the left guard isn't very good and the right tackle isn't very good and the offensive line is a weakness on this offense and the wide receiver core doesn't come to play very well Robert Woods takes some time coming back from his torn ACL Traylon Burks has to work into the rotation slowly because he doesn't get a lot of practice time dealing with asthma and whatever other issues are going on. And this Titans offense takes a step back. What do you see the floor for this offense being given? They still have Derek Henry. They still have a experienced good quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, even if he's not an elite quarterback, they have brought in Tim Kelly to be the offensive, uh, past game coordinator, along with obviously the return of Todd Downing at at offensive coordinator, Mike Vrabel, a good head coach. Like when you have a good head coach and a good experienced quarterback, what's the worst your team can really be, even if you don't have a good offensive line? So I'm going to throw that to you right right off the bat.
0: Yeah, I think think if you want to take an optimistic point of view, you probably point towards last season's offense, right? Like they were 18th. Uh, in yards per game, the uh, regular season, 342.5 yards per game. Um, they were 15th uh, in total points scored per game, you know, right around middle of the pack at 24.6 points per game. These were big steps backward to a degree, right? Based for, you know, from the 2020 unit, uh, that was one of the best offices in the NFL passing yards per game. I mean, they were, they were near dead last. But obviously the passing offense did not you know, carry its, carry its fair share of the bargain last season. It was is really the rushing attack that even made them the 18th in yards per game, right? How good the rushing attack was, of course, with Derrick Henry first, and then even later on with, with the even guys with that filled in. For Foreman me. and Hilliard, they had pretty good rushing games, it
1: felt like, throughout the season. And I think yeah. even if you look at a team that could take another, I mean, they'd have to take another step back on offense to really be a bad offense. So does that make the floor for this offense a middle-of-the-pack average unit if, if things don't go right, if the receivers aren't there to play because Robert Woods has ACL and Traylon Burks and everything I just said? Or can they be worse? Like, Could they actually be worse than last year when they had so many injuries to the receiving core and to Derrick Henry and everything without a significant injury to Ryan Tannehill, which I think would make them
0: very bad?
1: Could it yeah. be worse?
0: Um, I lean towards they won't be worse. Uh, I don't I don't think they'll be worse. I I think if you want to look for a realistic path for them to be worse. Um, and obviously you you kind of mentioned the Ryan Tannehill injury there. That's obviously always gonna gonna serve as a caveat, right? Because you never know what's gonna happen. Injuries, but I would point to even if he doesn't get hurt, right? What's a way they can get worse with a healthy Ryan Tannehill? I, I think the answer to that question would be he's you know, kind of just as bad as he was last year, right? He wasn't a very good starting quarterback. So he kind of struggles with the turnovers with 21 touchdowns, 14 interceptions last year, I think it was. So, you know, those numbers kind of remain the status quo for him. And then you look at an, either an injury to Derrick Henry or Derrick Henry falling off a cliff, right? Being that over the hill running back who, you know, that injury uh, impacted him last year, too too much tread on the tires, yada, yada. We've seen that happen, right? Seen that happen to so many running backs. Now I don't think it's gonna happen to Derrick Henry this year, but I think that's sort of the answer to your question. How can they get worse with a healthy Ryan Tannehill? It's Tannehill doesn't take the desired steps forward and Derrick Henry regresses, whether that's another injury or again, just the tread on the tires catches up to him. That's how this offense gets worse. But I I think more, more than likely, they're probably a middle of the league, sorry, middle of the pack type of unit, you know, once again, and if they are, and if they are that, and you want to be optimistic, well, they still won 12 games last year, right? With, with not fielding a very good offense, right? So right. I definitely don't think this is going to be a great offense or an elite offense. I I don't think that's the case. I think there's way too many question marks, as you said, on the offensive line at receiver. Heck, even at, at quarterback, obviously, right? So I think with all those question marks, I, I'd be a little surprised if they took a huge step forward offensively.
1: I agree. but And when we talk about what the floor of the offense is, I do think that, It's possible they are worse than last year. I mean, it's unlikely to me, but it's possible. And exactly what you said. Let's say that left guard position is a constant turnstile, and it's not getting pushed in the run game, and is letting free rushers come in the passing game, and they're running the ball with Derrick Henry on first down. He's getting two yards per carry, and you're in constant third and seven, third and eight, and you can't pass protect... It could be an ugly ish year and you're looking for playmakers to try to get the ball to who are those playmakers right now as we, as we sit here in the middle of July, you don't have AJ Brown anymore. So your top receiver is a guy, as I've said, now, this will be the third time in like five minutes, Robert Woods coming off a torn ACL. Your other top receiver is a rookie who hasn't practiced very much. So can you rely on those guys to be playmakers? Austin Hooper, you sign in free agency is a good threat in the passing game, but he's not a super dynamic, I wouldn't call him necessarily a playmaker. I mean, he's going to move the chains. He's going to be a red zone threat. But in terms of guys who can like catch the ball and take it to the house, how many of those do you even have on this team right now?
0: Yeah, I think my biggest concern in that area of the game, and and this is why um, I've gone into arguments with people um, who say that they didn't really miss Derrick Henry that much. Last season, because you look at the rushing numbers, you look at what Foreman and Hilliard did, there were some similarities and there were right from a yards per game perspective and and the sort of rushing production they got. And and I, you know, this point will connect to what you just said. I I think my biggest issue with that version of the offense last year, and it can hamper them again this year, and we always, we talked about this so much, everyone over at Broadway Sports agrees um, is the fact that you really had no margin for error, right? Like when you weren't hitting those home run plays, when you don't have Derek Henry to take it 50, 60 yards, right. Which is something Foreman and Hilliard aren't really going to do. I know, I think, mean, Hilliard had that one touchdown against Miami late that Foreman may have had one I, I can't say I can't remember now with certainty but Hilliard had that one against Miami in garbage time right when they were already up 25 points in the fourth quarter um and you didn't have A.J. Brown obviously which you are no longer do um no margin for error offensively right when you're when you have to rely on 12 13 14 yard play drives to get in the end zone it's awesome when those drives come together right And everybody at least me personally as exciting as a home run play is i love watching a team just go on a 13 yard play scoring drive where they just dominate up front they dominate offensively they do what they want they keep the ball for six minutes like those are the best kind of drives but when you're relying on those with consistency which you fear they may this year there's no margin for error, and I keep repeating that sentence because it's it's one penalty that sets you back, right? Now you don't have the horses to get yourself out of first and 20, right? And, and that's what leads to punts and turnovers and mistakes. So that, to me, would be my biggest concern with this year's iteration of the offense is who are you relying on right. to make big plays? I just spoke to a Titans defender, and we'll get into that a little bit later, who told me that, um, you know, he believes that they were the number one defense in the NFL at not allowing run plays of 20 yards or more. And I'm going to take it. I didn't look it up. I'll be honest. I'll take his word for it. I mean, he played on the team last year. So they were number one defense and not allowing run plays of 20 yards or more. So you think of the flip side on that, when you're not generating uh, offensive plays that go for 20 yards or more, um, it's really hard to successfully play offense. And that's what they have to figure out. Again, I agree with you that Austin Hooper is probably not going to make a ton of plays that go for 20 plus yards. So, is that going to be Robert Woods? Is that going to be Traylon Burks? Is that going to be uh, Chigo Quanquo? Like, who's going to make the? Obviously, it's going to be Derrick Henry, you'd like to think, but outside of him, who's going to make those plays? So, I think.
1: If you are talking about the guys that can make those explosive plays and we can kind of flip this around now and talk about what this offense might be able to achieve if everything does go right. Tim Kelly comes in and applies his stamp to the passing offense and it doesn't matter that you lost AJ Brown because Robert Woods has been running and cutting and he looks great already. So maybe he is ready to go week one as a as your number one wide receiver and Traylon Burks practices all throughout training camp and establishes himself as a someone they can rely on you do have guys that can make those plays. I mean, Traylon
0: Burks, how many 70 yard touchdowns yeah. did he have for Arkansas say, he, last year? He was that guy in college, right? I believe yeah. in. I, I keep coming back to this before the Titans even drafted Traylon Burks. I really liked him, you know, throughout the pre-draft process as a wide receiver prospect at any time, you know, there were a lot of negative articles out there about him, especially after the lackluster combine performance, the way I kept talking myself off the ledge uh, with him as a prospect was keeping it simple. I, Told myself, this guy made the most plays of 20 plus yards of any receivers in the SEC last season. That's the best conference in college football, right? Like sometimes it goes back to what I've said on this show many times, where sometimes we overcomplicate football, right? Sometimes we overthink it. Like a guy that made that many plays of 20 plus yards, probably a pretty good football player, right? Probably a pretty good prospect. So that kind of applies to this conversation now, right? It's who's who's going to make those plays for the Titans. Well, you hope it's Traylon Burks because he made those plays in college. Right. And you just added him to the
1: team. Uh, I mean, everyone from the Titans is saying it's not to replace AJ Brown, but it is like, let's call it what it is. It is to replace AJ Brown. It was five minutes after you traded him away that you drafted Burke. So If you're looking for where those explosive plays are going to come from, you mentioned Derrick Henry. Dontrell Hilliard is a guy that can make those explosive plays. He can do it as a runner or as a receiver. And I think that that's somewhere that they're going to try to, to, someone they're going to try to utilize more in the passing game because they can. And you also mentioned the other rookie, Quanco. Now, I don't know how much playing time he's going to see, but athletically, he has the ability to create explosive plays. And as you mentioned, you know, the offense really missed those explosive plays last year. It created those small margin for errors. And that's how you have those, like the drives, like you had against the Bengals, where it was one of those 10 play drives that was going really long and just, you know, Titans imposing their will on the Bengals defense. And then you have one little miscue where you try to run a screen to Chester Rogers and bang, bang the whole The whole game is blown up by that. We saw that constantly last year against, I remember the Houston game, the Titans struggled mightily in with turnovers. All England those turnovers game, are the New England so, game, they yeah, they got the blown out. They had
0: so many yards in that game, right? They would get down to the 30-yard line in New England, and I think Hilliard fumbled and Foreman fumbled. Like They had like two or three fumbles in New England territory. They had an interception, I believe, in the red zone, right? J.C. Jackson picked off right. Tannehill, I think, in the end zone, actually. So that's the type of plays and offense that we're worrying about here, you and I. Exactly. So let's say it
1: all goes well. Can the Titans take a step up from 15th in points and 18th in yards this year? Of course they can. You get Derrick Henry back for a full year. Jamarco Jones establishes himself as a solid, if not spectacular, left guard playing between two veteran good linemen in Lawan and Ben Jones. And like for for Jamarco Jones, it's just about not making crucial mistakes. We don't need him 20 yards downfield bulldozing safeties and linebackers. You just need him to not screw up and the same goes for dylan Raiden's at right tackle let's say he takes a major leap forward and pans out as a second round pick you all we all hoped he would be Thus titan's offense could actually be good it could be a top 10 top five unit again but a lot has to go right for that to happen so it's not something i'm necessarily expecting i think the reality is going to fall somewhere in the middle but it could all click and and turn into something great if the pieces come together. There's a lot of moving pieces that have to come together, but it could happen. Let's talk about the defense now, because I think you and I are both a lot more optimistic about the defense. I think most fans are probably a lot more optimistic about the defense. What could go wrong, though? Let's start with what could go wrong. Last year, as as injured as the offense was, the defense was pretty healthy. You you, lo- you lose Caleb Farley uh, kind of early in the year to an injury, but you have the pieces to kind of work around that in the secondary. This year, you, you kind of do. I mean, it's a deep secondary, but multiple injuries strike, you lose one of your pass rushers or Jeffrey Simmons or somebody major like that, the whole defense could kind of crumble on itself. Now, I don't expect that to happen. I think it's going to be one of the better defenses in the league, but if they try to run back the same defenses last year, and now there's a lot of film on what they were doing last year, or they don't win those matchups up front quite as, as quickly and easily – and the defensive line doesn't dominate the same way. Could we see the defense take a massive step back? And the, the main reason I bring this up is defensive performance from year to year is a traditionally unstable metric. It does not necessarily have a lot of carryover. It's much easier to build an offense that stays good for years in a row than it is a defense that stays good for years in a row. Now, obviously it's happened. The Seahawks recently, the 2010 to 2014 era Seahawks the Chicago Bears have always kind of had a good defense the there's been teams that have had runs as good defenses but can the Titans do it or what could go wrong and i honestly I don't really know what could go wrong besides injuries, but I want to hear your thoughts.
0: I was going to say, the second I heard you say injuries, I was going to say, I think we're both probably grasping at straws here because we we both think this defense is so good. It's hard to even come up with an argument for the other side, right? Even if I were to try, and I'll probably fail miserably, I think the one thing you obviously point to, that could be realistic. Uh, The one lone thing that could be realistic, in my opinion, is you don't get very good play from your cornerback to position right? Because that's the biggest question there that you no longer have Jack Rabbit Jenkins, whether that's, you know, Caleb Farley or Roger McCreary on the outside. I don't think it's going to be anyone else, right? I don't think it's going to be a Chris Jackson or a Buster screen. Those guys may eventually mix in there, but it's more than likely going to be Caleb Farley. They're going to, they want to give them a chance. And if it's not, then it depends on whether or not they feel roger McCreary can survive outside right being that he's a bit of an undersized guy with short arms so i like the candidates there but that's obviously the biggest question mark this defense has is who is your uh number two cornerback opposite christian fulton other things that i don't think are going to happen uh i let me prefix it with that i definitely don't think are gonna happen but you look at some of the aging players right like at what point it, does kevin byard no longer become kevin byard at what point is dina co-autry both these guys are what approaching 30 or over 30 years old at which point is Dina Kawatri not an 8-9 sack kind of player right that impacts the pass rush so uh does it can Harold Landry replicate the production he had last year can Bud Dupree get past the ACL and have the kind of year that we think he's capable of having right these are some of the question marks on defense who's playing in the slot right who covers tight ends now that you don't have a, uh you know a, a Jayon Brown who previously did well even though he didn't do well last year but you previously was that guy, or a Dane Prochank that had a couple flashes in the pan as that player, right, against maybe Kansas City or San Francisco, so I think those are some of the questions there, but I have to be honest, I'm not really worried about any of those things, corner two, I think is the one, you know, fair question, I feel pretty good about the candidates, That but that's the only fair question, in my opinion, outside of that, you're right you say, uh, you know, defensive success, it rarely carries over year to year. And, and there's a lot of you can look into it. There's a lot of studies and, and statistics that indicate that, right? A lot of proof um to support that argument. But outside of that, uh, no, I don't really have many concerns about this defense.
1: My right. one other concern here is the linebacking duo not being great in the passing game. Now, David yes, Long and Zach Cunningham. Are, they're terrific, run-stopping linebackers, and David Long has improved a lot even as a pass defender. But Zach Cunningham didn't play third downs last year for the Titans. and somebody has. got Somebody's got <laughs> to do that. And whether that's a one linebacker package with David Long on the field and a third safety or an extra cornerback or Elijah Molden and Roger McCreary are both playing with Caleb Farley and Christian Fulton, something will have to be done to mitigate the fact that these linebackers just simply aren't great in coverage.
0: I think that's the most likely outcome, right? And and look, and that's the way of the league, right? More defensive backs, more speed uh, on the field. Um, It's the most likely outcome because you look at the backup linebacker, Monty Rice, not exactly known for his coverage abilities either, right? At least he was not that kind of player at Georgia. And I don't think he's going to be that type of player in the NFL. So uh, you know it's not Zach Cunningham. You know it's not Monty Rice. I think it is going to be David Long and a bunch of DBs. Right. Which could and be a the, good thing. Like should be a good thing, actually. Yeah,
1: that should be. They should be great at stopping most types of offenses, whether they're big, whether they rely on the tight end, whether they're speedy. The Titans have personnel to keep up with all of those guys. Um and then the flip side of this defense is that it could be the best in the league. Could be the best defensive unit in the NFL. 10 of 11 returning starters on a defense that was already really good. If that 11th starter, Caleb Farley, pans out as much as the coaching staff has been talking him up this offseason, could end up being a better defense, better secondary than it was last year. You got Bud Dupree, like you said, another year off the ACL. You got Harold Landry, Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons all develop. I mean, I would say not developing for Danico Autry, but Jeffrey Simmons was just ranked recently in that ESPN poll as the number two Defensive tackle in the league behind only Aaron Donald. They're expecting him to take another step forward. Still only 24 years old, soon to be 25. He's got upside to continue getting better. And so does most of these young players. Christian Fulton, great season as a second year cornerback. But what, is he, what if he takes another step forward and becomes a true shutdown guy on the outside? I think you could see a def- a team that is carried by its defense most weeks, especially early in the year while the offense kind of figures it out. So if that's the ceiling for the defense, what is the ceiling for the team? I think we can try to put this all together now. If we're expecting the offense on its ceiling note is a fringe top 10, maybe top five unit, probably not, but on the ceiling side could be. I'm
0: not even going to say top five is on the ceiling side.
1: (laughs) All right. Fringe top 10 unit on offense with a potential. I mean, if Traylon Burks has a Jamar Chase level rookie year, then they could be top five, but again, not expecting that, but just caveat of all things are possible. I don't know. So let's say fringe top 10 offense with a top three defense. That's a strong playoff contender should be should be contending for the division, if not running away with it and looking to to lock in a home playoff game. And after that, anything's possible. So I guess the question when you're talking about the ceiling is, can the 2022 Titans win the Super Bowl? And like the obvious question is, Anyone can win the Super Bowl. If you sat here last July and said, are the Bengals going to make it to the Super Bowl? Most people would have laughed at you. So sitting here in July saying, can the 2022 Titans have a run like that? Obviously the Bengals didn't win it, but they were close. Is it possible?
0: I am going to say the same thing I said, I think a few months ago on an episode of this podcast. Um, I guess, sure, it's possible, but I still consider it extremely unlikely. Like not to be... The negative Nancy, I know this is the Titans podcast, we're Titans guys, but I I look at them being kind of similar to the San Francisco 49ers last year, right? I, I think, and I, and I made that comparison again a couple months ago. I think um, for them to get into the playoffs and beat a, a Buffalo Bills, even the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, these top heavy teams in the AFC that are expected to have great seasons, um, I think it would take an upset in a manner of how San Francisco beat Green Bay last year, right? Like no one expected Jimmy Garoppolo to beat Aaron Rodgers in the postseason until they blocked the punt, right? And, or returned it for a touchdown and or hit a field goal, had the other team miss a field goal, uh, put together an unbelievable defensive game plan that just shut down a superstar quarterback on the other side of the ball, right? Like I think those things are capable of happening for the Titans, and I think that's probably what it would take for them to win a Super Bowl in all honesty. I think
1: it would take a team where I mean, the Bengals last year, for for all the praise that's been heaped on Joe Burrow and he deserves it, their offense wasn't very good in the playoffs. They were carried to the Super Bowl by their defense mostly, and then timely plays from Burrow when it counted to get them in field goal range and kick the game winning kicks by a rookie kicker, things like that had to happen, but it was mostly set up by their defense. And I think that the Titans are constructed as a team that can win a Super Bowl with defense. If the quarterback can step up and make the timely plays, we know he didn't do it last year. He didn't do it the year before against Kansas city in the playoffs, but he is potentially capable. Again, a lot would have to go right. You might even need injuries to other key players on star like star players on other contending teams for this to really play out. But I do think it's possible when you're talking about what this, what the floor of this team could be. Mike Vrabel. Has never lost, has never won less than nine games in a season as the head coach of the Titans. And going back even further, John Robinson's Titans have never had a not winning season. Every year that John Robinson has been the GM, the Titans have gone nine and seven or better. So that feels like a realistic floor to set for this team is nine and eight, ten and seven. If all goes wrong, you have a, a head coach who just won Coach of the Year. He's a good head coach. You have a good general manager who's made good in-season moves to keep the team afloat even when injuries are are piling up. So, to me, this team is probably not going to be worse than nine and nine and eight because they're seventeen games now or ten and seven. Just looking at the track record of what this coach GM combo has accomplished in their time in Tennessee.
0: Yeah, I, I think my main concern is, and I'm talking about the basement here, is that the AFC has gotten so much better, right? So, like, contending for a wild card is going to be extremely difficult if you don't win your division. The Titans' path to the postseason probably runs through the division, right? You probably have to win uh, the division for the third straight year, and I think they're fully capable of doing so. But I also think the Colts can win the division. Like, I think this thing's probably going to be pretty close, a bit closer than it was last year. Right? The Titans won 12 games, the Colts won, I think, nine, right? Uh, I think the division gets decided by one, maybe two games at most. So um, I don't think, you know, this is not a four or five win team. It's not a six win team either. I'll end I'll end sort of this by saying this. I think the ceiling for the Tennessee Titans in the regular season is probably about 11 and six. And I think the basement, if all goes wrong is probably seven and ten. Like okay. I'm not going to sit here and say that. And I love John Robinson, I love Mike Vrabel, but I, I I can't sit here and say that it's impossible that they go below 500, right? I mean, look, six straight winning years, whatever they had, it's unbelievable. They deserve all the damn credit in the world. Um, but I do think if some things go wrong, this could be a you know a seven and ten or an eight and nine football team.
1: Yeah, I agree that that could happen, but I think it would take Tannehill missing. 5 or 6 games with injury for them to really lose that many games. I don't think with a healthy Tannehill I mean and the schedule's not easy this year by any means, but it's hard to to gauge a schedule in July because teams change so much throughout Especially the year. Especially for the Titans,
0: right? They'll go out there and beat the Bills and Rams and back-to-back weeks like they did last year, right? And then lose to the Jets and Texans. So
1: Yeah, exactly. And they got the Giants week 1 at home. A lot of Titans fans chalking it up as a win. Fun fact, the Titans have are tied for the highest like, what am I looking for? What, what am I for the biggest spread in terms of they are favored by six and a half points right now in week one, which matches the highest spread of any week one game. There's I think one other team also favored by six and a half points week one, and it would just be so titans for them to come out in their home opener and lose to the Giants in their <laughs> first game when they are favored by a touchdown as the biggest favorite of any team in the league that week. So we'll see what happens obviously. And that's a pretty tropey cliche thing to say is we'll see what happens, but the truth is we don't know what happens. And that's why we talk about ceilings and floors, because we're looking at a possible range of outcomes. And I think the Titans fall somewhere in the middle. I will push back on you and say that I think they can win more than 11 games because last year they did win 12 games with a very injured roster with a lot of struggles on offense. And if, They just struggle less on offense. I'm not saying they will, but I think they could struggle a little less on offense and potentially win 13 games. Everything would have to be right. Everything would have to go perfectly, but it's possible is all I'm saying. So with that, let's do final record predictions for the 2022 season. Way too early. July 11th. We're making these predictions. You say the Titans will go.
0: 10 and seven is my prediction.
1: And I'm going to say they repeat last year's record and go 12-5 and because they start off slow, but they really catch their stride. Mike Vrabel teams seem to get better throughout the season, and I think that that is possibly going to happen again, especially when you look at all the new pieces that have to come together on offense. That's probably where this thing is heading is uh, struggles in September, October, catch your stride November, December, play competitive games against good teams, lose to a team that you definitely should beat and then end up hosting a home playoff game, which who knows how that will play out for the Titans. It hasn't gone well the last couple times that they had a home playoff game. All right, let's talk really quickly about what you've got going on before we end this episode because there's some, some exciting stuff coming to broadwaysportsmedia.com, courtesy of you. What have you got?
0: Yeah, man, we're about to uh, start off an interview series with, with Titans players. Um, I've been spending the last couple of weeks sitting down um, with about 10 different Titans players. These have been really, you know, exclusive sort of, you know, in-depth conversations. I've been fortunate to have one-on-one conversations um, with players. So starting this Thursday, so Thursday, July 15th, every weekday from Thursday, sorry, Thursday, i start that over. I didn't like how I started either. About to launch an exciting exclusive player interview series over at broadwaysportsmedia.com with about 10 Tennessee Titans players, at least 10, starting this Thursday. That's Thursday, July 14th, every weekday up until Tuesday, July 26th. So that's Thursday, July 14th until Tuesday, July 26th. I will be releasing at least one interview with a Titans player. Now, so we've got about 10 interviews done so far. I'm not really planning to do any more. This was a very lengthy series. I took up a lot of my time, a lot of my effort, but I'm really excited to release this all to you. 10 select players ranging from starters on offense and defense to role players who are ascending, guys who are locked to make the 53-man roster, some of your favorite young players on the team, all the way to some back end guys who are trying to make this team out of training camp. Those guys always have really exciting, uh, you know, uh, things to say. So I really enjoyed all my conversations, ranging from the, you know, quote unquote, some of the most well known players that I interviewed to some of the lesser known ones. I think you're going to enjoy all ten interviews. Um, that we have coming that starts this thursday july 14th again running all the way through july 26th so a lot to release i had to start this thursday because i had too many of them done i wasn't planning to start until next week releasing them but i said you know what i want to release one a day leading all the way up until training camp um so that ended up being that i had to start this thursday july 14th so i've already got the first one scheduled it'll be with an offensive player and then we will just roll from there every day monday through friday All the way up until training camp starts. So I think you're really going to enjoy these conversations, some really exclusive notes, tidbits uh, and and, and so forth, especially about training camp rookies, how they look, you know, coaching staff changes. I mean, there was nothing off the table here. I talked about whatever I wanted to talk about um, with these players and I really think you're going to love this series. Nice. We are very much
1: looking forward to that and including a little scoop you got from one of the guys you talked to. It turns out there are some contract negotiations happening for a player in a contract year. A pretty important player. Is there anything you can say about that now?
0: Yeah, I guess I'm going to go ahead and and release one of the interviews that will be coming your way. Uh, uh, Titans starting safety Amani Hooker did tell me um, that contract negotiations between his representation and the Titans are ongoing, right? There's no pressure from either side to get an extension done. But Hooker, of course, 24-year-old safety, who thrived as a starter last year, his first year as a full-time starter, is entering a contract year. He was a part of that 2019 spectacular draft class that also featured A.J. Brown, Jeffrey Simmons, Nate Davis, and David Long, which we talked about, by the way. We we had a really fun talk about that 2019 draft class uh, Amani and I had. But Amani was willing to confirm that there are ongoing discussions regarding a potential contract extension with the Titans. They are having those discussions as we speak. Uh, Hopefully they can reach an agreement before uh, training camp finishes and the season uh, starts to keep Amani in Tennessee beyond 2022. But we'll see how that all plays out.
1: And we can maybe speculate a little bit with that information that Jeffrey Simmons contract is also being negotiated and probably will be will be done here in the next couple of weeks. That's my expectation. I don't know if you have a similar one, but uh, thoughts on how that impacts the rest of the 2019 class.
0: Yeah, I mean, I told you from the beginning that I thought the Simmons practice stuff was related to his contract one way or another. Right. He went out and hired an agent. Uh, just days after that all happened. So, uh, and I think it is fair to assume that if they've engaged in talks with Hooker, uh, you know, uh, based on, you know, from that 2019 class on an extension, that it's probably at least put some feelers out there, right, on on some of the other guys. And you would have to think Jeffrey Simmons is, is at the forefront of that.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right, well, that'll do it. This has been the Titans floor and ceiling conversation for the 2022 season We will hope that we are correct about the ceiling and hopefully the floor is much higher than we just talked about. Otherwise, things could be bad. All righty. That'll do it for us today. You know where to find us. Lots of fun stuff coming to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Follow Justin on Twitter for more amazing scoops about Zach Wilson. If you haven't seen that, go check out Justin's Twitter (laughs) at JustinM underscore NFL. You can follow me at Titans Film Room. Until next week, you guys stay safe and tighten up.